Hey everybody, Happy New Year. Uh, today I'm gonna do my top 10 family games. And this was probably second or third most requested along with my top 10 solo games, which I did about a month or so ago. Uh, the other top 10s I'm gonna get at this next year are kind of like going back to certain years, like 2011, I'll start with then. I did some top 10s of stuff that was like all the games before the year 2000. And I did that last year, several months ago. And so people have been asking, hey, more of that, more of that. And I've been trying to figure that one out. So I'm just gonna kind of work back slowly. Maybe I'll do a couple this year and then do like one every year or something. I don't know if I'll be doing this in three years, but you know what I'm saying. So uh, anyway, so that's what's gonna happen. And so let's just jump into the top 10 family games. And I will do three really fast honorable mentions. And before I do that though, I should send, give you a sense of like, what does it mean for my family? And I think that's going to vary, you know, from person to person uh, broadly, you know, what is, what is a family? I mean, you always think of the nuclear family, uh, two parents and two kids or whatever. Um, and that's not always the case. You know, I have some friends that uh, I live in other countries where they have a huge family and there's moms and dads and grandparents and aunts and uncles all in the same house. And, you know, that's a different kind of gaming situation if you're going to look at it that way. And other people that are like two parents and they adopt or, you know, there's all kinds of situations. So what I did is I just used my family. And so I have a good opportunity. I play games with my son. I play games with my wife. I play games with my son and my wife. I'll play games with uh, my parents who live the next town over. Sometimes I'll play games with my parents and my son. Uh, you know, and I also have a brother who lives over in Seattle, about four hours away from here. And, you know, sometimes I'll play with them. And then once in a great while, we'll get together and mostly my mom's side of the family, uh, you know, maybe for Christmas or something. And there'll be a lot of people in the same town. And then maybe we'll play some larger games. So that's kind of the different situations I find myself in. So games of like just me and my wife play, that's not really a family game, but she is my family. So, uh, you know, it does get played at home in the family setting. Maybe my, fun does, my son doesn't want to play games or something that day, uh, which is more frequent because he's a teenager maybe. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole other story. Uh, but so there's all these different things and all, all these different folks kind of like different games. Uh, my parents like much different games than my son does, you know, and even than my wife and my brother and stuff. So I kind of threw all that in and kind of pulled out some favorites and stuff that I really like that they also like just to kind of do it. So the three honorable mentions while I say all that is one is Codename slash Deception in Hong Kong. And that's really for our larger family environment, which doesn't happen often enough. Although we have played Codenames with, you know, less players, uh, but it doesn't come out that much. It's more fun with more players. So uh, that's the honorable mention there. Next honorable mention is Escape Room, which is here, funnily enough. And that's Escape Room, the, the game. That's been our favorite Escape Room. We've played through a couple as a family. Uh, and so I just kind of give that an honorable mention just because it's kind of new, although it really could creep into this top 10 list, but it has only four plays it's limited to. Still really good. You should really check that game out. Uh, the next one is honorable mention is uh, Martin Wallace. Uh, now, my parents really enjoy Martin Wallace games, uh, particularly London. Uh, there's actually another Martin Wallace game on here. Uh, we've also played Via Nebula, which is really good. That's more of a family Wallace game. Now, London's not really what you would call a family game. I don't know. It's not, it doesn't fit this stereotype. Uh, so it's kind of a heavier, card-crunchy type of Euro. Uh, but that might be the favorite game if it's just my parents and I to play. Let's play London, and then we play it, and it's really fun. And it works really well with three players. Um, there's another Wallace that we've played. What the heck? I can't remember what it was. I just said, anyway, this, we, we, they really like Wallace's. They like ships, for example, um, a couple other ones. So they really have a, a thing for Wallace. Maybe they like loans, I don't know. 
So that's kind of the quick honorable mentions. And now we're gonna work down from number 10. Now number 10 is Santorini. Now this is a game that I just played with my wife. Uh, we both love it to death and we adore it. It's a great abstract. I made my top 10 games of 2016. Um, you know, but it's, again, this is kind of me and my wife play. Uh, right now, this is our favorite game uh, to play together. So it really excellent game. If you haven't checked out my review or the top 10 of 2016 list, uh, definitely go check it out. Uh, really, probably my favorite abstract game. And it has just so many kind of layers uh, to peel built around a really, really, really simplistic core, but it's great. Uh, number nine is Steam. This is the Wallace that I mentioned. Uh, my folks really like Steam. Uh, we kind of go back and forth. We played kind of the advanced game and the basic game. And we're at the point where the advanced game just kind of gets in the way. <laughs> like it just, okay, yeah, you took a loan, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, it just kind of adds like that extra layer where it's like, if we just break it out and play the basic game, you basically get at the same stuff without maybe making a minor $1 or one level, you know, on the loan track thing screw up. Uh, oh, the other one we like is Age Industry. That's what I was trying to think of. Anyway, so sorry. Uh, so Steam is really good. Again, not really a family game, but if you play the basic game, I could see that working kind of like as a next step from, maybe a next next step from Ticket to Ride or something, but you could really get into it. That first play or something might be a little rough uh, just because, you know, you got to play through a game of it anyway, I would think, to just kind of go, oh, I see how the routes and the different, you know, stuff that you can try to snake from each other is going to work out. So I would give that one a shot, though. Uh, you know, it's a little on the heavy side for your more casual environment, but I think it's worth, if you have a sort of a repeated family night, you can certainly get a lot out of Steam. And then move into the advanced game and then move back from it like we did. Uh, number eight is Castles of Burgundy. This is probably... Uh, this is kind of my, my folk side of it. Castles of Burgundy and London are kind of their two favorites of the games that we've brought out. There's a couple others too, but uh, that's a good family game and it works really well. When you have the two or three players, actually talking to my friend Jeff about this yesterday, funnily enough, and we were talking about player counts. And I'd like to play with four, but honestly, I want to play with four experienced players at the table if we're going to play that because then it really clip along and doesn't take too long. You can get kind of uh, choosy about what you take, maybe try to snake things from other players. But you can also play this game very kind of sort of solitaire-ish, you know, multiplayer solitaire. And uh, But there's just a lot going on in terms of like, oh, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this, but it's not really overly heavily complex. This is kind of like your next level family game. And I didn't want to sell those short because, you know, when we started playing games and I started kind of getting more into it, just quick tangent, you know, I used to play games back from like 99 into like 2004. And that was with a group of friends and they were all kind of sort of what you call hardcore gamers. And we would uh, bust that out. And then I started to kind of like slowly as my youngest son got older, uh, introduced games in the family like Carcassonne. So we kind of worked our way into it. So, you know, once everybody's kind of played games, like everybody take a, play Ticket to Ride a bunch, you know, we want to play something new. Well, we can kick it up a couple of notches. It's still your family. And so, you know, your family can sort of quote unquote level up, not that there's a gate to be kept, but um, you know, you can get into that. <clears throat> so that would be number eight, Castles of Burgundy. And now number seven is automobiles. We've had great success with the family here. This is really, um, I mean, this is a great game. I really have enjoyed this more and more over the years, or the year, I guess it's only been a year. And it's really cool because you get this, uh, this deck building part of it, and it's very, very simple. You pull the cubes and you kind of do what they say and you move move along the track as, as much as you can. <clears throat> and then you can really start to get into the more complex and out of the box strategies. And it's very accessible because, you know, it's not like this 
there's not that level of abstraction sometimes the deck building and i actually have had struggles uh sort of with the family with like the deck building, like okay trashing cards because they don't come from like the magic the gathering background and it's just like concept it's like a little esoteric and abstract they're like trashing cards in my deck you know what is this i'm getting more cards to draw more cards it just seems very uh you know from them it's like i don't understand why this is fun or why i would be doing this it's just pure management of a deck so i think the theme they lose some theme and stuff there but with automobiles and also trains for uh to be frank uh the theme really brings them in and they're able to get into the deck building and they kind of just you know by second nature just kind of move into those strategic deck building aspects but the theme brings them there and automobiles does a really great job of that yeah, let's see number six is forbidden island slash forbidden desert uh, this is one that's very easy my son for years loved uh, forbidden island and then forbidden desert and it was just a great easy game to break out we can play it in a half hour you can play it a couple of times you know uh, it, it just works so well and i think if you have smaller kids then you know you can kind of coach them through like hey what do you think if you do this and that's kind of played to my son it's like well if we move here we can do that what do you think you know you let them you can kind of coach them but then you can let them make the decision and then you kind of win or lose together like as a family as a team and so that that's great i mean that's a a very unique experience that you know, until I actually had that experience, especially with my son, I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's a cool concept. And then it happens with, with your kid and it's like, oh wow, that was magic. You know, if any parent would kind of know, I think what I'm talking about there, uh, it's just, you know, the kids are engaged, they're, they're happy or sad, you know, within the context of the game. And it's just a really great experience. And this, either of these games, uh, Forbidden Island's a little bit easier to get into. I would definitely start with that one. Uh, either of these games is just really going to bring everybody together and it'd be very accessible and, and grokkable. I think, I, I can't remember how old my son was. He would probably have been like nine or 10 maybe when we played it. <clears throat> I'm just ballparking that. And then number five is caveman curling. And this is across the board uh, with the family. Uh, my brother and his wife, my parents, uh, my son <clears throat> and my wife. And it's basically curling, which you've seen in the Olympic sport. And with this cool, like different kind of paper board that you roll out and you flick these discs on it. And it's basically the rules of curling. You have these cool little tools. We do do a house rule where if you use a tool, you lose it for the entire game, not just for that round, because it does make it um, more interesting. Uh, the basic rule says that you just lose it for that round, so you could be using a tool on every shot. But we use it, so you use a tool, then you're out, and we play to like six points or whatever. Um, very, very fun game. And we started doing that early on, even with my son, because once you, you know, a couple of flicks, and he was getting it. Uh, so this is a great kind of dexterity game. It kind of fills that sort of crokinole niche itch, uh, but it's very easy, quick to set up, doesn't take long to play, and you, you don't have to hang a crokinole board on your on your uh, wall. That's Caveman Curling. Now, number four is Asara. Not a lot of talk about this game. I think it was nominated for Spiel des Arts however long ago. Uh, this is a Kramer-Kiesling game. It might just be a Kramer. I'd have to look. It is... I can't see. I'm not going to ruin my mic here. Uh, it's at least a Kramer game. And a really fun, kind of strange worker placement, but you have cards. So when I go to a spot, I play a blue worker card or a green worker card. And when you do, you lock down that area. So you might be trying to gather different pieces to build your towers. Well, if I go to the roof spot, I put a blue worker. That means only blue worker cards can be played there. Uh, or you can play two of any card 
uh, like face down and then you, you know, that counts as a wild. So it has this other spots and just doing simple, like build the most towers, build the highest towers, build the highest white towers, build the highest black towers, and these other ways to score points. Uh, very, very simple, but the card play is, is makes it interesting enough. And I've really not seen a game kind of like this at all. And it, it's very, very simple to get into uh, once you've played it, you know, once or twice. And I think this is definitely a next step. So like right above Ticket to Ride, but it has a little bit more meat to chew on, sort of. Uh, so that's a SAR. Number three is Airlines Europe. Speaking of next step, uh, this is one that's, uh, this and a SAR still come out and get played uh, quite a bit. And uh, Airlines Europe is kind of like that one where it's like, I wish people would like play this over Monopoly. You know, it's like, oh, everybody's gonna play Monopoly everywhere in the United States or the world or wherever, whoever plays Monopoly still. <laughs> um, this is one I kind of wish was around when in the 80s or the 70s. And, you know, we had this because this is, this is this is has that monopoly itch where you like you're getting stocks and things and you're sort of taking over territory and you're building up in airlines and you know it has an economic thing and you can kind of screw each other by cutting off different routes a little bit um you know it, but it's just it kind of it's also that next level of acquire so if you look at acquire acquire is a little bit more dry and pure uh you know from sort of that 18xx auction style where this is you know has a little bit more that is euro mechanics sort of synced into it uh but i definitely recommend airlines europe that's this is your definite like if you if you're sort of like introducing your family possibly to whatever you're doing ticket to ride and Catan and stuff bam easy call airlines to me airlines there is that is that next step uh that's the easy call and i think it'll last for a long time that's number three number two is a viticulture now viticulture uh is probably also one of these next step games you see most of those in here um, and viticulture is great and if you add tuscany and all that stuff that's probably a little bit too much at first but a viticulture basically kicked out lords of waterdeep we used to love to play lords of waterdeep um, but viticulture just has a little bit more going on to it it has the same kind of card play thing where you can get different cards go to places play cards do actions and then you've got your other worker placement stuff around it i will say tuscany definitely improves the game it makes it better it gives you lots of more ways to score points and just adds a lot more to the theme and everything but just basic plain old vanilla viticulture is a great place to start and then you can add it i know they have like viticulture essential edition and tuscany essential edition i think i would just get the either of those essential editions it doesn't really matter because you can play viticulture sort of its core game without all the Tuscany add-ons. But this is another one that really just kind of keeps coming out, keeps coming out, and uh, really, really fun game. And number one is San Juan, and this one gets played uh, a ton. Now, it's actually been several months since we played it, but we uh, broke it out, and we played it a bunch, and then put it on the shelf and break it out again, played it a bunch, and we added the expansion and played it a bunch, da 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 And it really is that... It's a great game for sort of getting at some of those core kind of concepts, the multi-use cards, resource management with your hand, you know, different combinations of abilities, but you can slowly get into it. You know, you can just play, oh, okay, cool. I play this card and put this out. Oh, now I have this thing. I can, I can pay this for cheaper, or I can, you know, get these extra cards and whenever you take this role. And, and so it has like kind of that sort of building blocks of the lexicon of Euro games, at least. And, you know, frankly, most Ameritrash games now are sit on some of these some of these more elegant, you know, oddball mechanics that have been more popular over the last 20 years. Uh, but this is, has all those building blocks to it. 
and it's still going to reward uh, tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of plays. Uh, I mean, I would rather play this than Race for the Galaxy, uh, funnily enough, uh, especially with the, uh, the expansion. I think you need to add the expansion. Although I think the second edition comes with the expansion, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's that's our number one. That's the one that just has, has come out. It's gone on the shelf for a while. It comes out again. It goes on the shelf. It comes out again. And it's just something you can pick up and play and ride like a bicycle. And uh, anyway, so that's my top 10 family games. I know it's a little bit, you know, where's Ticket to Ride Europe? You know, my wife and I loved that for a long time. We liked Paperback. Um, there's a couple other games that we used to play a lot. I mean, we played Catan for a little bit. Um, so uh, I think if you take this list, I would look at it this way. You would take this list. And then you would add it to all the family games you always hear people talk about. You know, Ticket to Ride, Catan, uh, Apples to Apples, I guess, or whatever, something like that. And, no, God, don't, don't do Apples to Apples. I don't like that game. Um, whatever. You know, there's, there's a bunch of family lists out there. But for my family, for us, uh, this is currently kind of what's stayed in rotation, what we're really interested in with some of the newer stuff. Um, and uh but the thing is to know about this and this this is actually kind of important i think to me uh and, and this is more of a new gamer thing and not just a family thing it's like you know oh what's going to work for my family what's going to work for uh, my significant other what's going to work for this or that uh somebody that's not a gamer i think is the underlying question they don't play games a lot and like what's going to work well you don't know really you can't know like i could not have told you that my parents would have loved london i just I would have been like, no, because we played San Juan so much and they liked some other Wallace games. I was like, well, let's try London. And yeah, the first play, I, I vaguely was sort of shaky, but we got through it and it was fine. It was the first play. It was a learning game. And then after that, it's become a favorite. Uh, so I think you have to like, you have to learn. You have to know what their interests are. Uh, I mean, Santorini, for example, is one that my wife latched onto because I told the story in the top 10 2016 video. We both have a sort of a, a, a fascination with Santorini. She's part Greek, and so she has, you know, this uh, a, a sort of fantasy about living there, and I do too. Uh, you know, when there's a restaurant here, and so I was like, hey, well, well, this is cool, it's Santorini. You know, let's try it out. And holy cow, it was a fun game. So sometimes you need like that extra sort of another level uh, sort of anchor to kind of pull somebody in. It could be the theme, it could be something else, the art on the game. So you have to kind of really engage them and not really so much go ask other people. And I know, I'm not trying to be a jerk when I said like, don't go ask people on, you know, get some ideas, you know, go to Board Game Geek, say, what's a good family game? You'll get like the same 10 answers and some of these that like Airlines Europe, everybody will answer that. Uh, so that's all good. And that there's a reason that everybody answers that. But I think the important part, and again, this doesn't just go for family, it goes for anybody, is you want to engage with them. Like you could say, let's play Star Wars. Uh, you know, Star Wars Risk would be one that I could put on here because my son enjoys that a lot. I could just put that on there. Um, you know, that's a, that's a theme. My son's like, yeah, let's, let's do Star Wars game. Or he likes Battle Lore, second edition. And that's, you know, he's got the fantasy fighting monsters and he gets into it. And he also liked uh, Command and, uh, or excuse me, uh, Memoir 44, because it's tanks and stuff. And yeah, and so he gets in and he starts playing. And then the game parts, you know, the, all the mechanics and strategies start to come. They start to like, oh, okay, I should hold this card or whatever. Uh, so that's the thing, you gotta engage with them 
say, here's what's on my shelf. This could be interesting, right? Yeah, okay. You know, uh, I think of the time we we played Deception with a group of like eight of us at the family, and it was like, oh, it's like Clue, but you know, grandma murdered somebody. And then, you know, so it's kind of, you can make a fun thing out of it. It's all about how you present it and the environment that you set up, sometimes more than the game. Although I would not bust out 1830, you know, for a bunch of people who have like never played anything but Monopoly, probably, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I bet there's people out there that you could do that and they would get into. Because I think of myself when I first got into like really getting into gaming and, you know, they started out with Carcassonne. I was like, what is this mess? You know, even though I've come to appreciate Carcassonne, I didn't know anything about it. I was like, Carcassonne, this is dumb. This is for kids. I don't want to play this. You know, this is, we're all adults here, you know. Um, it's just, you know, my expectations weren't there. And then we played it some other games and I was like, oh, okay, cool. I see why you guys are into this. Um, so anyway, I think it's just you have to engage with that person. And, you know, you're going to be surprised, I think, more, more than not. All right. That's it. Thank you. Happy New Year.